Whether you operate one forklift or thousands, one location or hundreds, the new My Toyota customer portal can help you optimize your operation and material handling equipment. This one-stop, free-to-use platform is designed to help you take control of your information and make smarter decisions, all at the touch of a button. Register and access your data today at my.toyotaforklift.com. That's my.toyotaforklift.com. Today's warehouse needs to keep inventory moving smoothly and quickly. Meet these challenges with on-demand warehouse labeling from Brother Mobile Solutions. Our mobile and industrial printers will help optimize your operations to achieve the speed, reliability, and durability your warehouse needs. With easy integration for existing warehouse technology, convenient portability, and upfront affordability, Brother Mobile Solutions is at your side when it comes to warehouse labeling. Try one for free today by visiting brothermobilesolutions.com slash newwarehouse or click the link in the show notes. That's brothermobilesolutions.com slash new warehouse to try one for free today. The New Warehouse Podcast hosted by Kevin Lawton is your source for insights and ideas from the distribution, transportation, and logistics industry. A new episode every Monday morning brings you the latest from industry experts and thought leaders. And now, here's Kevin. Hey, it's Kevin Lawton with the New Warehouse Podcast, bringing you a new episode today. And on today's episode, I am joined by Ali Javidan. He is the CEO and founder at Range Energy. And Range Energy is thinking a little differently about the way that we are electrifying our fleets because they're thinking about the the trailer. So we're going to talk a little bit about what Range Energy is doing and, and how Ali kind of came to this idea and, and how they're they're pushing forward and, and what's the difference between electric electrifying the trailer versus electrifying the truck. So Ali, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Definitely happy to have you on. Happy to learn about this. Definitely. I think it's definitely an interesting approach and, and something I haven't really heard of before. So so I guess before we kind of dive into the range energy and what it is you guys are doing now and some of the, the new things going on with you, uh, tell us a little bit about your your background. So I think I was looking at your LinkedIn a little bit. And I was curious, like, how, how did you come to now electrify trailers? So tell us a little bit about that background and, and what led you to really start to, to found this company, Range Energy. Yeah, so I've been in the automotive industry for about 25 years now. I started the beginning of my career in motorsport and and building race cars and race teams and doing kind of mm. every young kid's young engineer's dream. Yeah. I did that for for a while and and I knew I wanted to eventually get out of motorsport and and into kind of a regular career where my weekends were freed up and and all of the the kind of normal normal parts of life could could engage. Um, <laughs> and so in 2008, I joined Tesla Motors um, as uh, one of the early employees. And, mm-hmm. and it was a little bit of an interesting transition for me going from, you know, race gas and loud pipes and all of that stuff to yeah. uh, a fully electric new vehicle platform that had never existed before. And so I completely embraced it and, and dove in headfirst and over the course of my career at Tesla through t- 2012, I, I took on and ran the vehicle prototyping team there. And I ended up building out the vehicle platforms for Model S and X, 
beginnings of Model 3 and Y, and then all of the other programs that we were working on at Tesla to help decarbonize other car companies' vehicles. So, for example, the Toyota RAV4 EV, and then several vehicles from Daimler. I did that for a while, and then in 2012, I went over to Google, working on a bunch of different hardware initiatives, not the self-driving car program, although I I helped in it, I helped with it a little bit here and there, but my primary focus was to to help the core of Google get ready to to handle and absorb and and manufacture hardware. I did that until about 2015, and a friend of mine called from Stanford and said, hey, there's these guys that are building a robo-taxi, and it's this kind of really cool intersection of robotics and automotive. Mm-hmm. And you're one of the few that know both. So I joined Zooks. That was that was a very, very early, early days of Zooks with Tim Kentley Clay and uh, Jesse Levinson. And Zooks uh-huh. is a robo taxi company mm-hmm. that was recently acquired by Amazon. And they were building full level five robo taxis. And, and my responsibility there was, again, to do all of the prototyping of all the different systems and subsystems and full vehicles. And right around, I would say that was in starting in 2015, and, and I left there a couple of years ago now. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about electrified trailers, I, interestingly enough, for a okay. very, very long time. Interesting. Um, I, you know, <laughs> in my personal life, because of my adjacency to race cars and other mm-hmm. cool things like boats and, and jet skis and stuff like that growing up, I had spent a lot of time towing things, whether they're big boats or okay. small trailers. And I, I kind of understood not in the commercial side, but I understood the the kind of pain points that exist in towing. And, and as an engineer, as a powertrain engineer or propulsion engineer, I really understood the interaction between an electric vehicle and the trailer versus the difference in a diesel or, or, a, elect, or a gasoline vehicle with a trailer. And I knew that the energy profiles, the energy consumption profile was much worse for an electric vehicle than a a, a diesel or a gasoline vehicle when towing specifically. And so a couple of years ago, I hadn't had an opportunity to start this venture. And the, the, the concept is what happens to the system when we electrify the trailer? And initially, we were looking at smaller consumer scale trailers like RVs and boat trailers. But we really realized that the big opportunity here for decarbonization and to make a real impact for our environment is to go straight after the Class 8 dry van space in the United States. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things, the first things that we did was we we went through and did a bunch of physics modeling and, and built a couple of prototypes and the net result is that we are estimating somewhere around a 40% increase in fuel economy from wow. today's install fleet of diesel tractors. And, and the nice thing is that that kind of the, the technology that we've developed and the way that we've developed it uh, will be actually backwards and forwards compatible. And what I mean is mm. that our system doesn't require any information from the tow vehicle itself to okay. operate. And so if you have a, a really cool old Peterbilt tractor that, that you're holding on to for dear life before somebody <laughs> ties it away, yeah. uh, which I don't blame, uh, some of those old tractors are super rad, mm. uh, we can actually help decarbonize and, and remove around 40% of the diesel emissions from the existing tractors. Mm. Then the cool thing is that because of our system, we don't, you know, we don't require a, a, a data connection or any kind of a, a CAN bus connection from the tractor to the trailer. We do it all using physics and we, we measure physics in real time. We're measuring essentially the forces at the kingpin. Okay. And, and then we tell the trailer what to do once we measure the forces. Hmm. And that, that happens all seamlessly and in real time without any driver interaction. It's just very, very natural feeling. Hmm. 
But the cool thing is that not only does it help the diesel stuff, but as we start to transition, whether it's hydrogen, alternative fuels or electric, the trailer still works. And in, in fact, you know, it takes your 180 or 200 mile range electric e Cascadia and it and it almost doubles the range of that tractor. So you, oh, now wow. you can get let's say over 300 or 350 miles yeah. of range from your e Cascadia when you're towing this trailer. Mm. And it's mainly because the trailer is essentially doing all of its own work. So mm. that's that's kind of how yeah. we got to this point here and and right now we have a team of close to 30 people and we are building these trailers. We have three trailers on the ground and running now a small bumper pull a medium-sized gooseneck and a full-size 53-foot trailer and those were done in progression on purpose so that we can first de-risk the controls Mm -hmm. then we de-risk the kinematics of the system and then now we're we're at the full scale and de-risking all of the other little things that that need to be kind of worked through Interesting. So, so now I want to touch on the part that you mentioned about, you know, there's no connection to the truck in a sense, in a, in a data aspect or, or control in that way. So, so essentially when the truck starts, I mean, if you're using a, like a standard diesel truck with this 53 foot electrified trailer, now when the truck starts to, to pull, the trailer just automatically senses that and it knows that like, you know, because the trailer has its own motor, I guess, in, in some way. Yeah, so yeah. sorry, I wasn't super clear. Sure. The trailer has a fully activated E-axle, so it has a large-scale mm-hmm. electric axle replacing one of the axles in the slider assembly. The slider assembly is still fully functional, so you can adjust the, the weight balance of the track, the trailer mm-hmm. and, and still do all of your, your typical operations. And then we snap a battery pack underneath the trailer from the outside, just inside the trailer skirts. So you don't see them. It doesn't affect how you work or operate. Mm -hmm. And it for sure doesn't take up any volume inside the box itself. Nice. And then the third element is that sensor that's based in the kingpin. And and essentially it's a standard kingpin, two and a half inch. It hooks up to all of the tractors and, and trucks that we have out there today. But it has some some really cool intelligence built into the into the kingpin that's pretty much transparent to the user but but it's what we use to get all of our drive information from very interesting very very smart too i mean it's pretty interesting to to think about it that way because i think you know oftentimes we're just thinking about electrifying the the vehicle like you said but we're we're oftentimes towing as well and i love that it can be a like a hybrid approach essentially right if you're using a a diesel with the electric so I, i mean and obviously, you know, in our industry, logistics, transportation, right, what we're looking at, I think I talked to somebody recently and we were talking about about 24% of like the, the emissions in, in the world is from like our industry, right? So we have like a huge, huge opportunity to improve. So tell us a little bit about how how that works, the concept of if you're electrifying the trailer, you said, I think you're getting 41% more yeah. efficiency through diesel. I mean, I mean, tell us a little bit about the kind of the science behind that, I guess, to, to yeah, understand so like how a, that works. Yeah, totally. There's a, there's a few things at play here. So first of mm-hmm. all, we're essentially matching the fuel economy you would get if you were bobtailing your tractor. Mm-hmm. And that okay. tends to be somewhere around 40%. And we have very, very specific models and algorithms and calculations that, that get us very specific numbers. So in a highly loaded city drive cycle, that number is actually 48%. Mm, on a yeah. mixed on a mixed highway and city cycle, it's 41%. And if we're looking at just over the road, long haul trucking, it's a little bit lower than, than that. And so mm. we're not just kind of throwing numbers out there. We, we've spent a bunch of time 
validating these numbers and, and modeling them. But essentially, the it's a very simple concept. It's what what would your fuel economy be if you were bobtailing? And we kind of match that for about yeah. 200 miles with our system. But the cool thing is that beyond 200 miles, if you think about, you know, a lot of these operations are sub 200 or 250 ish mm-hmm. miles daily routes. But if you think about a long haul route that can go as much as a thousand miles in a day, we still add a, a pretty substantial benefit there as well. We have, like you said, that that we're building a mild hybrid here. And in fact, mm-hmm. if you think about, let's say you have a plug-in hybrid Prius yeah, and the gas mileage you get if you never charge it in is whatever. I'll make up some numbers. Let's say 35 miles per gallon. Right. And the basic four-cylinder Toyota, let's say, gets 25 miles per gallon. So just that mild hybrid aspect gets you a, a pretty good bump on your fuel economy. Mm-hmm. But then if you plug it in, you're actually your fuel economy goes way up, up to above 50 miles per gallon, because now you're actually using a bunch of extra energy that's in the battery pack and not just building a through the road, like kind of sustaining mild hybrid. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of the same concept with us. If you charge a trailer, if you plug the trailer in and you charge it, and the nice thing about having 200 kilowatt hours on the trailer and not six, seven, 800 or 900 kilowatt hours, like a lot of the tractors are having. Yeah is that we minimize the impact on the total payload of the of the system so we can actually now pack more goods in the trailer. Okay. In in addition to all of that, it also allows us to charge more reasonably rather than building big megawatt chargers on the yard. Mm-hmm. We can actually charge using the existing power that's at the loading dock for shore power, mm-hmm. uh, which is a huge convenience. But the best part about all of this is that let's say you have a a new eCascadia and one of your operators forgets to plug it in at night or you had a failure in the charge system. The customers are not getting any goods tomorrow, Mm. the next day. The tractor is is stationary. But if you forget to plug the trailer in, it's still a trailer. We default as a trailer. It's one of the analogies the guys use is that it's kind of like an escalator. Mm -hmm. We help you get up to the top, but if we fail, we're still stairs right? You're still getting up to the top. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. And, and so ultimately the trailer is kind of fails gracefully, we say, or fails operationally mm-hmm. where it's still, you're still getting the goods to the customer the next day. And it may be a little bit less efficient. And if it's something as simple as forgetting to charge, even with a fully depleted battery pack and, and you're, let's say you leave the charge depot with, with functionally zero charger or, or, or you know, a minimal amount of charge, mm. we actually reclaim the braking energy into regen in the trailer. And so we get okay. somewhere between 10 and 15% better gas mileage from our trailer system on an existing diesel tractor without charging. Mm. So this is a big kind of mind blowing thing where, where essentially because we're taking what would have been lost thermal energy in the trailer brakes, yeah. heating up the trailer brakes, we're actually putting that energy back into the battery pack and now the cool thing is that you come down a long grade like the grapevine, six percent either way or both directions. You come down the to the you know my our driver actually just did a, a couple of grapevine runs, and he said on the backside of the hill he didn't touch his brakes on the way down, and he was able to manage oh, wow. his speed through the regen of the trailer really easily. Hmm. And so all of that energy went back into the we we gained somewhere over we gained a little bit over ten kilowatt hours in regen just going down the hill from the grapevine. Mm. And and all of that energy goes back into propelling the the trailer as soon as they they need acceleration. So it's a really really cool kind of set of technologies and yeah. and ultimately you know one of the things that we do for for 
understanding how well this stuff works is, is we get driver feedback. If this is not just about the numbers and fuel economy, we want to make mm-hmm. sure that the driver has a better experience towing one of our trailers than they would a passive trailer. Yeah. And so that tra- driver feedback is super duper important. And, and the first driver feedback we're getting from our customers and from our internal drivers is that the towing experience is much smoother. There's no bucking in between gears, whether mm-hmm. you're doing an automatic or a manual right. going up a long grade with a fully loaded trailer is confidence inspiring rather than nerve wracking. Mm. It's, it's a whole different type of experience. And, and I'm really, really excited to share it with everybody else out there. Yeah, it's very interesting. And I, I mean, there's a ton of benefits there. I mean, aside from the the fuel economy and those types of things, like you said, from the driver perspective as well. So now, I mean, when you, because I mean, you can use, use it as a, a standard trailer, right? If it's out of energy. So, I mean, if you're driving beyond 200 miles for, for whatever reason, just like that first 200 miles is electrified and then it's just going back to like a, a standard Diesel, right? Right. Okay. Interesting. Well, so. it's even better than just using mm-hmm. a diesel. So let's say, for example, you have a 400 mile route sure. and you want to use one of our trailers and you charge it up and we give you a 200 mile range. We quote a 200 mile range. Mm-hmm. So for 200 of those 400 miles, you're getting around 40% better fuel economy. Mm-hmm. And then for the last 200 of those miles, you're getting about 10 to 15% better fuel economy, depending on your drive cycle. And so net, you're still gaining a lot of benefit from having this trailer, even though you're kind of going beyond its its useful range. Yeah. But the cool thing is that it eliminates range anxiety now. You don't have to worry about taking that extra pickup right. or going that extra, you know, taking that detour or something like that. Like all of a sudden now you're going to be stranded on the side of the road. The worst thing that can happen is that our system just shuts down and it just becomes a trailer again. Mm. So it's it's a it's a really kind of a, you know, for me, I wanted to develop a stack or, or a system that helps transition this industry into decarbonization rather mm-hmm. than kind of forcing it into decarbonization. Yeah. And it's little things like this where they can still operate. Worst case scenario, if all of the Silicon Valley bullshit, excuse my language, fails, it's still a trailer. <laughs> it's still a box and they're yeah. still getting their, their sodas to the to the depot or, or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to make sure that we respect the operations as they're working today and mm-hmm. figure out how to make them better today, but then also build that platform and that tool that really helps major decarbonization in a big way. Some of these fleets have over a hundred thousand trailers. Yeah. And so, you know, we're not proposing that you replace every single one of them with these, but in a similar fashion where you add reefer trailers strategically for mm-hmm. your operation, you can add these trailers throughout your operation to decarbonize the dirtiest routes, for example. Yeah or the most sensitive routes or the routes that you're getting fined for, Mm -hmm. you know, these are all different opportunities here. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. And it's a great approach. Like you said, it's like, uh, you know, kind of giving you that, that chance to to start to decarbonize, but without forcing it. And like you said, you know, if all else fails, it's, it's just a regular trailer, which I think makes a lot of sense instead of like the example you gave, like somebody forgets to to charge the truck and now that truck's not going anywhere. Right. That doesn't really help. Right. So, I mean, really smart approach there. And, and I, I'm curious on this side of the like the charging aspect because it's something I've been having some conversations about and and I'm curious about this like as people start to electrify their their fleets and you know are do you think and maybe you've talked about this in your your research and stuff and you know 
when I go as a, like if I'm a transportation company, right. And I'm going to pick up from a, a customer. Do you think there's a point where like, Hey, I can opportunity charge at that customer. Or do you think that that's going to be something that's going to create a lot of conflict? Cause like who pays yeah. for that energy essentially. We'll be back after a quick break. You hear a lot about supply chains these days, because if the past couple years have taught us anything, it's that an efficient, well-managed supply chain is absolutely critical to keeping businesses successful and consumers happy. I'm Will Haywood, and I host a podcast called All Business, No Boundaries, where we talk about supply chains, how they work, what happens when they don't, and the innovations that are redefining what's possible in the world of logistics. Join me for insightful interviews with thought leaders and industry experts. We discuss how optimizing supply chains can break down the barriers that are holding businesses back. That's All Business, No Boundaries by DHL Supply Chain. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I think the the greater charging solution is still mm. so early days that it's really, really hard to... to yeah guess what's happening but i mean there's definitely scenarios where we can see energy sharing or you know the the cool thing about this the way that that we're architecting the trailer is that if in the future you do want to extract how many kilowatt hours you know so and so's operation gave to you as you were parked there loading and unloading mm -hmm. because of the telematics that that are built into the trailer already mm we can do all of that in real time. That's right. not, you know, understanding how much energy somebody uses on somebody else's charging station is relatively trivial based on the architecture of the system that we're building. And so, you know, one of the important pieces here is that the things that we're claiming from, from the range energy trailer side are efficiency and safety and quality. Mm -hmm. uh, we're not claiming that we're going to make your stack autonomous or that we're going to make it fly or, or any of these other things. Yeah. But one thing that's very, very important is that in building the foundational system, we're making sure that in the future, if somebody wants to add cameras for autonomy mm -hmm. or something else onto our system, we have the baseline foundational functional safety of across the board with our system mm -hmm. so that the the bits and pieces or our complete drive system does not have to be re-engineered to add a, let's say, a self-driving feature or some kind of a safety feature from a new supplier or a, another company. Hmm. We're, we're basically building it so that, and, and this goes to telematics and this kind of goes back to your question of understanding who's using what energy where and what footprint right. and all of that. We're building this kind of telematics. We're building the data structure so that anybody that builds these telematic systems, whether they're platform sciences or one of the many different folks that are building individual modules, mm -hmm can tap into our system and extract data with no problems at all. And in kind of an, a similar way that a passenger vehicle has a, a OBD CAN bus that can be interrogated by kind of anybody with a little dongle. Okay. We're going to, we're building a system like that in our data architecture so that if some other third party wants to add on a feature to our trailer, mm. it's there. And our system does not have to be re-engineered a bunch of times. Every time somebody comes up with a new idea, we're oh, building that kind of foundational functional safety the baseline communication system and the robustness of our system. So one example, one big example that we're using today is, or that, that we're gearing up to use today is the trailer as a power platform. Mm. So we can actually power TRU. So the, the reefer units, yeah. we can power, we can power lift gates, we can power cameras and lights and anti-theft mm -hmm. systems, 
all of that stuff with our baseline power architecture. And the other cool thing is that you asked a little bit about charging. So let's mm-hmm. say, for example, one of our operators says, I have no room on my yard to add charging, but I have plenty of power at the building and we yeah. can build charging charging at the loading dock. And we can actually build a system where you're loading electrons at the same time as the box is getting loaded with a forklift. And so we we charge at the same time. But mm. let's say, for example, you just bought a new e-semi. You can actually use our trailer as a power gateway at the dock to charge the e-semi. So you don't even need footprint on okay. the yard yeah. to charge your e-semis. You can use our trailers as the power gateway for these things. Mm. And so we're, we're, we're building all of that flexibility into the baseline architecture of the system because we – we, and, and I think most other people don't necessarily know what this industry is going to look like in five years or 10 right. years. And we want to make sure that we're building a tool that, that can continue to help and not be a hindrance uh, once, you know, once things start to change and, and go electric or hydrogen or, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, that makes so much sense. And I think that the, the flexibility of the solution and, and the product, I mean, it, it makes so much sense to be able to to do that and then utilize it in, in other ways as people, like you said, you know, in the next five years, I mean, it's like, it's so up in the air of like, what is this going to look like that, you know, you have that flexibility and people are able to apply their ideas to, to your trailer and, and expand upon that, I think is a, an interesting thing. So I, I mean, to that point, you know, a lot of people are, I, I guess in the conversation of, of, you know, autonomous trucks and, you know, electrifying trucks and, and things of that nature. I mean, a lot of people are also questioning whether, you know, do we even need like what the traditional truck looks like? So, I mean, is there somewhere down the road where the trailer itself just becomes powered on its own and it's just an autonomous box on wheels, basically, that's shipping goods instead of having like the full cab and, and everything that we're used to seeing on the road? Yeah, I think in the very, very, very far future, Mm -hmm. fast forward 30 to 50 years, we can start seeing stuff like that. Mm. I'm in the camp that that fully believes that, you know, the the, the thing that I say to my team is that in this entire stack, tractor, trailer, load, everything, there's two things that are utmost importance. Mm -hmm. Number one is the driver. Number two is the load. Everything else is dynamic. Yeah. And I believe that for the next 10, 20, maybe longer years, the driver is still going to be an important part of this equation. Mm. Now, that being said, if we look way into the future, then absolutely, yes, I think these trailers will become their own thing and there will not even need to be a tractor mm. that needs to move these trailers around. And it's just going to be kind of a a blank box that that has its own propulsion system and, and all of this stuff, kind of like a, let's say a, a robo taxi for cargo. Um, right. But at very, very large scale. And I think that will happen, but I don't think it's as close as some people fear it may be. I still think that we, I mean, don't forget that I spent the last uh, six years of my career in autonomy before this. And and so I I have a lot of very, very deep understanding of the the autonomous systems, the foundational safety systems, how the sensors work, how the network works, and most importantly, what the power consumption of all of these systems are. Hmm. And so I, I, I still think that we are, quite a ways away from removing that actually removing the driver, especially in this commercial space. Yeah. And I don't, I don't yet feel that there's line of sight for people like me that understand the technology to be comfortable with taking the tra- the driver out of an 80,000 pound thing that's <laughs> rolling down the highway. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think it's, you know, we're having a hard enough time taking drivers out of small robo taxis in big cities mm-hmm. to, to imagine a projectile that's rolling at, 60 miles an hour, that's 80,000 pounds without a driver 
is quite scary to me. Yeah, definitely. I think when uh, you throw those numbers in there, it definitely makes it sound a little scarier, right? (laughs) So, but I I do think I do think that there's place for autonomy. I think mm -hmm. the all of the the work that's happening in autonomy is super duper important Mm -hmm. because ultimately it will make our roadways safer and a little bit more efficient. But the idea that the driver is going to disappear altogether is is something that I have a differing opinion on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's an interesting conversation and discussion around that because I do see, you know, I I mean, there is like a lot of fear. I mean, I think as we're expressing here, you know, around, you know, having this thing, just nobody being able to necessarily like control it in the moment if something just happens to go wrong. Right. So I think it is like very far off and it'd be definitely interesting to see that even from like infrastructure perspective too. like, what does that look like? You know, does it have its own lane on the highway and, and yeah. all these different things. So there's a lot to, to put there, but I, I love I, the... I think yard automation will happen faster than roadway automation. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's already happening. Yeah. Yeah. It's already happening. But I, yeah. I think we will see yard automation much, much quicker than we will see roadway automation, even on predefined, you know, local routes. I mm. think we'll still see drivers for a while. Yeah, definitely interesting. So, so definitely interesting. You know how you guys are approaching this, and and you guys just just recently unveiled the the fifty three footer, right? So, yep. so tell us a little bit about that, and you know when can we? You said there's there's three trailers on the road. So when can we start to see more, and you know when will we be potentially driving uh, next one? Yeah. So over the course of the next eight to 12 months, you're going to start seeing these trailers land in customers' hands and Mm, in initial deployments and some pilots on on very special cases. But we are beginning to deploy these with our first customers this year. And the goal here is to start scaled production in 2024, probably late 2024. But we have a tremendous amount of customer interest. We have a lot of commercial interests of folks Mm -hmm that are, are trying to figure out how to ship this product with us. So ultimately mm-hmm. we're not, we're not in, interested in, in building our own boxes, for example. So we have to yeah. work with big partners, you know, the great Danes and Hyundais of the world to bring this to market. Mm-hmm. And so we're working through a bunch of those details now of, of how do we bring it to market specifically? How do we make sure that we respect the warranty? You know, a lot of these operations are, are concerned about who do they call if something breaks, which is a valid concern. And so we want to make sure that there's clear, clear lines of, of warranty and, and callbacks and all of that stuff so that we don't strand our customers, hopefully ever. Yeah. But we will start seeing these things in volume on the roadways in, I would say, early 2025. And we'll see deplo- early deployments and some pilots uh, in the next year. All right, cool. And definitely be looking forward to, to seeing them come out. Definitely very exciting stuff and a, and a very interesting approach to electrifying the, the fleet. And I love the kind of the mixed use hybrid ability there and also kind of just the approach to developing essentially just a, a platform to to expand upon this and leaving it open for other people to come in and, and also add to it as well. Um, and really take it to the the next level. So it'd be really exciting to to see what you guys are able to do in the the next year, couple of years, and and how this this builds upon. I think it kind of changes the the way we look at electrification of fleets, definitely by by electrifying this trailer. So, Ali, thank you so much for joining me on the the podcast today. Um, if people are interested in in finding out more about Range Energy, how can they do that? Yeah, we have our website is just Range Energy. There's no .com. It's just range.energy. It should be pretty straightforward. We also have Range Energy on Instagram, and I think we're on LinkedIn as well. And 
we are hiring. So if uh, any of you guys want to, to, to see if there's a position for you, our, our jobs page is up to, up to date. And we're really, really excited to get these trailers out into fleets and, and on the road. All right. Awesome. And we'll definitely put all that information at the new warehouse.com as well. So people can easily find it. So Ali, thank you once again for joining me on the show today. You've been listening to the new warehouse podcast with Kevin Lawton. Subscribe and check us out online at thenewwarehouse.com. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you want more content from The New Warehouse, check out our new video series called All Hands on LinkedIn. Just search for The New Warehouse on LinkedIn and follow along.